Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to Live Longer, the podcast. This is in collaboration with Homerton Changemakers Programme at Cambridge University and hand in hand with Iona, a digital healthcare company I set up with colleagues to enable people live longer, healthier lives. And today I have a lovely guest in studio. He's a fellow countryman. He's an artist and a sculptor. He's extremely well renowned in Ireland for his works over a a number of decades. He's been painting in Dublin and he's received lots of awards and his artworks are in many notable collections around the world and highly sought after. And um, he's got an amazing sense of humour. And when we before we came online, I asked him, how would you like me to introduce you? And he said, well, just tell them I'm a halfwit. And I thought, no way. This man is more than a halfwit. He's two and a half wits. And um, I had a fascinating discussion with him in preparation for this podcast. So join me as I warmly welcome Graham Nuttall. Graham, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I hope you're well. I'm very well, thank you. Very. And what's the weather like in Dublin? It's uh, raining, of course. <laughs> well, it's nice and sunny here where I'm recording in London. Brilliant. Well, look, thank you so much for giving up your afternoon. I know you're busy and um, you've had so many things going on, so I'm very grateful. It's a pleasure, I have to say. Good. And um, well, I have been an admirer of your work for quite some years. Um, as you know, I'm a fellow countryman and um, your work has always stimulated curiosity in me. I mean, it, it's a very interesting um, style, almost long, you know, um, Picasso, Cezanne, Matisse. There's so many of those great artists mixed up in your wonderful style. But what's the inspiration behind it? Tell me a little bit about what inspires you. Well, I don't know. It. I can never understand that, this thing about inspiration. I don't really, it's something I just don't understand. <laughs> but my work comes out of a, a desire for survival. It's, it's, I'm, I'm good at it, so I work at it. That's it. And I'm not good at anything else. And that's the reason why I'm an artist. I suppose I think I'm a misfit. I think artists, are, all artists, are misfits. Usually, they seem to be. Any I know. Do you really think that? I mean, in your bio, you did write that you went to art college because you weren't academic, but you do love art. So, I mean, it, it doesn't um, have to be an inspiration. It's more, it comes naturally to you. Is that what you're trying to tell us? Yes, it's a way of life, I suppose, isn't it? It's a way of life, and it's a twenty-four hour state of mind that yeah that's what it is and do you I mean you have a very um, typical style you know you draw a lot of quite strong men and women often in areas of food and and cats are important and and I noticed how it almost has a very tropical feel so you know maybe when I ask what inspires it I mean what goes behind the color what's going on in your head when you're you're thinking about all of this well, you see, the whole thing is that I, I'm, I see myself as a communicator and I am trying to communicate with people. If I think bright colour is the thing to make myself be heard, then I use it. And I think what I do in my work is, in my images, I set up a stage and I, and I paint a play. It's not a play in words, it's a play in, in visual uh, effects. So if I, I use colour in a dramatic way and I, and I tell a story with colour and with line, with shape. 
and with form. And that's my, I see that as my job. I, I don't know as my job, but I see it as my, my means of expression. And rather than, I'm not a great talker unless I had a few drinks on <laughs> me, but I prefer to, uh, to paint what I feel. Well, I actually yeah. noticed that in many of your paintings, there is often the occasional glass of wine slipped in there, yeah. isn't there? There is, unfortunately. <laughs> and, <laughs> unfortunately. But that's part of the Irish culture, Graham. You know, you're painting what you're seeing all around. And, and as we both know, and we were discussing, social life in Ireland used to anyway begin and end in the pub, not because everybody is mad for the drink, even though some people are, but it is a social a community, isn't it, in Ireland, the culture it is, yes. It's, uh, people meet in the pub and they talk in the pub, they do business in the pub and they entertain each other in the pub. And it's uh, it's what life is all about. And that must be sorely missed now with COVID. Well, with COVID, yes, we've got no homes. <laughs> we, we've got no pubs to go to. <laughs> so I think people are spending a lot of time in their homes and they all suddenly realise having been in their houses that they don't have any art in the walls. Mm. So we have a very good market here at the moment. Everybody's in a panic looking to buy paintings for their walls. So it's great. Interesting, because here all of the artists are really bemoaning, you know, the effect of COVID has had on the galleries shutting down. Is, is it a different model of sales of art in Ireland versus England? I think it is, because you've got a lot of art galleries over in the UK and we don't. Mm. We are now the each sort of county is getting a county museum sort of or county art gallery. We know we never had that before, and we only had two or three rather snobby galleries in Dublin, and that was it for the whole country. So we're starting to get galleries now, but the main way of selling is word of mouth, and of course in the pub. But we now have online galleries, which have been really useful in the pandemic and, and the source entertainment as well. Uh, but that's the way it's it's working. And you know, I thought it was fascinating in that you reminded me of my own culture where, you know, it, it's, you know, if you secure a nuttle, for instance, painting, you know, you've got one up on on the neighbour next door. Is that very much that's still right. a theme yeah. in Irish life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah, one one upmanship. And of course, you have to be able to get it cheaper than the next fella. I'll do a deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the way. And we were yeah. talking about bartering. So exchange of services for painting. Does that still go on? Because that's not oh, that's yeah. going on since the dark ages. Yeah. Oh, no. I, I, I have people in the house at the moment uh, doing me a, a swap for, for uh, a, a painting. Yeah. But isn't that nice yeah. that you can still do an exchange of talent? It doesn't all come down to money because that's what art is meant to be about. It's about bringing joy into people's lives. You know, all of this, this is what this podcast is about, is about how art can help us feel a bit better. Oh, yes, I think so. I mean, and, and that's what I say. I'm an entertainer. It's my job to entertain people, not bore them to death. 
But there's an oxymoron in that because you told me that you you don't like going to the theatre. When I questioned you about, you know, the drama and the theatre in your art and you, you were telling me that you'd be asleep by the end of the first act. Isn't that interesting that you paint in that way? Uh, yeah, but I find it, uh, it, it, I just find it boring. And all I can think of when I go to play is the interval. And will I have a gin tonic or a vodka tonic? Oh, bless. <laughs> well, we can't recommend and that to our many, listeners. How many will I have? Oh, listen. Yeah. Well, has that had a bad effect on your health? And the reason I ask this is a number of weeks ago, I interviewed Professor Adrian Furnham, who's a world expert on personality. And the interview took a circuitous course whereby he started quoting the literature on the longevity of artists themselves and quoted me some very relevant literature where poets and writers actually have the shortest lifespan of any artistic disciplines, whereas, say, photographers have the longest and because of poor lifestyle choices. Now, would you say art has had a deleterious effect on your life or your health? Uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, I've enjoyed myself that I with the result that I uh, had to have a liver transplant. And uh, I'm, I'm Mr. Graham, drink no more nuttle now. So it has had a devastating effect on me. Thank God for doctors. They could patch me up. Well, thank God. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, <laughs> gosh, well done for getting through that. That must have been a dreadful time in your life when you had to go through a transplant, was it? Yes, it was. Yes. I mean, just going to hospital terrified me, let alone having my insides cut up. Yeah, well, we'll come, yeah. come to that in a second. But just can I just ask you in a little bit more detail when you said that the art had that effect? Do you think it was that that, you know, you spend so long in your studio, it is quite lonesome, you know, is that what made you make poor lifestyle choices or just you just loved um, alcohol? What was the driver? Was it the art well, and your profession? Uh, well, I'm not so sure it's a poor life lifestyle choice. <laughs> it was enjoyable. I yeah, enjoy I, true. I enjoyed making myself ill. But uh there is a lot of of loneliness. Well let's say loneliness, but solitude. Because you've got to I I worked twelve hour days locked in a room on my own. I wouldn't answer the door or the phone or anything like that because it breaks your concentration. So it's that's what you have to put up with. Yes. So the 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 alcohol or you know some some writers, very notable in the past, or singers, whatever, have taken to drugs. It's it's more of a, a counterbalance that loneliness. You know, you come down from the loneliness and you try to replace it with a a quick Make fix. Make the most of it. Yes, that's yeah. exactly it. You got limited time, so you bolt it down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Interesting. Yeah. And yeah. tell me, you know, during that period when you were undergoing the transplant, I, I remember you you shared with me that you had some visual images and there's some image of artwork that maybe you might even like to draw to get over this experience of having your surgery. Are you OK to talk to us about that? Yeah, well, you see, well, I, I found myself after uh, after I'd had the transplant and still to last night, I scream and shout and roar in my sleep. I have, I won't call them nightmares. I don't know what they are particularly but I think I'm reliving the operation. It's basically what I think I'm reliving the operation. I can't understand 
we somebody cuts out. I'm not complaining. Glad they did it, but they they're cutting out your your insides. I think you're consciously subconsciously aware of what's going on. I think everybody has a memory, some sort of memory of of them doing it. You, I mean, you're you're anesthetized and everything, but I think your subconscious lives through it. And, I, I, and I'm remembering it. I'm pretty convinced of that. Interesting, because one of the other artists, Emma Rose, that I interviewed for, I think, the third or fourth episode, described a similar thing. She had a, a problem with her abdominal organs and was admitted to hospital and was in intensive care and had a near-death experience. And as she woke up, as she described in her words... She had these visions and she drew them, six pictures of the world or the globe. And she called the series The Globe and she she sold them, three of them, and then she gave three away to her relatives. But it, it, she felt, having expressed that on her canvas, that she was able to get beyond that experience. Well, I hope I will be. I do have an idea for a painting. Uh, uh, at the moment, uh, I'm just recovering, you see. So I can't. I, I usually paint to a human scale, so that my figures will be actual sized in, in real time, as it were. The painting I want to do is rather big, be huge, uh, and I just can't work at that scale at the moment. But. When I do, it, I want to paint my operation. I want to paint the surgeons. I want to paint the nurses or all the people hmm. uh, that are involved in being sick, including lawyers. Oh, interesting. <laughs> it's funny that when I was, what was nearly my deathbed, when I was waiting for, my, for a donor, I was very, very ill. I was having uh, trouble with the tax man mm. at the same time. And I mean, I couldn't understand why doesn't this bloody tax man leave me alone at least, at least whilst I, whilst I am ready to die, which I nearly did. Mm. But uh, So I stick the tax man in the painting too. You'll have to do it and <laughs> you'll have to yeah, sell it for a good be price. particularly ugly fellow. <laughs> oh, bless. Well, look, I, I hope that the hospital where you had the transplant may display the painting, would be a source of inspiration to other patients. No chance. No chance of that. <laughs> no chance. Gosh, you're a gas man. And listen, you've done sculpture as well, because that's more of a, is that to life size form and shape as well? Sculptures? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. I, I sculpt what I see as well. Yeah. And what type of figures do you sculpt? Do you, are they similar to your paintings? I haven't seen any of your sculptures. Yes, they are. I'll, I'll, I'll send you some photographs. Uh, yes, and then I make a lot of, or I did, uh, make a lot of mm, sort of wooden mechanical uh, constructions. And I make quite a few animals and things like that, birds and fish the same animals that I paint. Yeah. What is the fascination with the animals? You just like nature or do you particularly like those animals? I, I particularly like those. I like, well, I, I used to like fishing. I like animals, but to me, they're human animals. I mean, I, pay, I do fish, but they have eyebrows. And, 
mm. stuff like that. So they're a mixture of, they're sort of half human, half not human. Interesting because, and then your human pictures look half human, half not as well, because they, they lack emotion, even though they are staring back at you on the canvas. Is there any influence from your, your family? I know your, your grandmother was, was a, a wicked lady by all accounts from reading your bio. Do you think that was responsible for the, those images of the women in particular in the paintings? Well, the the birds, the the I some of my women look very masculine. Would you agree with that? I do, yes. But they also have nail polish, which is unusual. They all have nail they polish. They also have nail polish, yes, because the, if you're painting a hand, it can be sometimes useful to have a bit of nail polish on because it takes away, from, if you painted the hand badly, Oh, I see. The nail polish takes people's it takes people's eyes off the badness of the of mm. the of the fingers. That's clever. <laughs> but the women, you say, are quite um, manly orientated looking, aren't they? Yes, yes, that's quite true, and I think that's because you use your own image when you're painting. Uh, yeah, yeah, when I, well, at least when I'm painting the. the I try to be the person that I'm painting. And uh, I think the, the maleness of me comes out in the, in the ladies mm. so that they look a bit like drag artists. Mm. But it's, you see, when you're painting figures, as I do, you have to be that figure as you're painting. You sort of squeeze your, yourself into that figure. You'd like if you're if I'm painting an arm, I'm I'm painting my own arm, to, so I know that from my shoulder to my elbow is a certain distance. So I feel that distance, if you know what I mean, as I draw it. Mm, 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 that's interesting. Yeah. So that's and I think when I'm painting the figures, they tend to be to be they're me but in different disguises and different costumes. Mm. And their eyes tend to look horizontally. You know, they, they cross one another without actually engaging. It's quite interesting, the the eyes. What's behind that? Well, that's me looking out again, you see. You see, the whole the whole painting that I do is, is would be like a, a stage. And I, I paint in the characters doing things, relating to each other, pointing and looking at each other or looking away from each other. Uh, and then I have them in different costumes. And as you were saying, I have a fascination with chefs. And the reason I, I paint kitchens and chefs is really uh, because of their uniforms. You know, the white, the tall hat and the, the, the blue and white striped apron. And, the, and it means I can have my characters in a play and they, and they act then. Mm. And that's how they, that works. Well, I'm going to challenge you now because, you know, you've explained to us how your art is like a play and you kind of put yourself inside those characters and you're looking outward. But they look very robust, very healthy, very strong. So inside, maybe that's why you got over your transplant and, and are recovering and are back to work because you perceive yourself as strong on the inside. And is that a key to longevity? I think it is. 
yeah, yeah. I want my characters to look strong because it's like a puppet show. You don't want them to be falling all around the place. You want them to be standing up. Mm, well, that's interesting. And you were explaining to me that although you've only just recovered from your liver transplant, that, you know, you now have to face, is it a kidney transplant as well? Kidney. Yeah, kidney now. Kidney. Gosh, <laughs> good, good man. And will you get back to painting before you have to undergo the next transplant? Oh, I'm painting away. I've just come from painting now. Yes, I have dialysis uh, three days a week. But the other four days, uh, I work to eight hours, eight hours a day. And has there been any sort of art rehabilitation in your post-transplant programme to get you back to work and getting you strong so you can paint your large canvases? Has that been a part of your after-transplant care? Or do you think it's something that maybe people need? I didn't get any after-transplant care because the pandemic... They, as you know, they when the pandemic started, they cleared the hospitals of everybody they could. And they sent me to uh, an old folks' home. I hadn't really even walked at that stage, and I was to get I was to get some rehab in the old folks' home, but I didn't like it there, and I escaped and went home. So I've had no um, aftercare to, at all, really. Mm. And I, which is unfortunate because I'm very bad on my feet and everything like that now. Mm. But I also have neuropathy in my feet as well. So I'm walking around in sandals a bit like Jesus. You were telling me you've got an amazing neurologist. Professor Tuberty yes. is my neurologist. Uh, yes, and he's a very entertaining man. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's struggling away on my behalf. You've got the best there. We'll give him a shout out for that. And yes. so, Graham, like, you, you've been through, you know, a lot in your life, but you've managed to be extremely successful. You've risen above adversity in your past. You've beaten major health challenges. You're painting works that people all over the world are really, really, you know, dying to have in their, and hang on their homes. So what would be your advice for how young people could embrace and bring art into their lives? Because not everybody is blessed with the talents that you have. So what would be your advice for how we could use art to help people feel better and live longer? Or can we? Well, everybody, everybody can can do something everybody can like you could but there's a, there's a, a girl here in Ireland that gives classes uh, in painting for beginners and they just they have a glass of wine while they're painting and they all entertain each other and everything things like that there's always a way you could do something you know I always think it's the sort of thing in Ireland people uh, follow horses, uh, horses. Mm. They, fo- they follow artists like they follow ho- horses mm. is what I mean to say they have a favourite and they follow their career and one artist is much better than the other artist and all the rest of it and it's, it's like a sport Mm. In a way, and I think that's a good way to 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 follow art. You know, 
Yes, and, and of course, that plays nicely into the various Facebook groups for different artists. I mean, that's how I yeah. got talking to you, wasn't it? I, I pinged you a message on Facebook and yeah. you responded. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I thought, this is amazing. Graham Nuttall is responding <laughs> to my message. <laughs> yeah, no, it, 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 there's lots of art groups. I think that's a good way. I think it's a good way to use all those Facebook things and everything and rather than in a stupid way. That's quite a good, constructive way to use it. So what you're saying really is that art can really help us by, you know, through the art community and the benefits of assembling a community, even if you're not the artist, by supporting the artists, it brings art into your world and in that way can give joy and wellness to people. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, people use sport Mm. in a great sort of rehabilitative way. Mm. Uh, uh, and they can use art the same way. It's like when I was a kid in school, I I hated sport. I really did. It was awful. But I liked art. So mm. I hate to see when parents are pushing their kids to jump over bloody things and sport and run races and everything at the expense of, the, uh, uh, of art. So they could be doing art as well or instead. Mm. Yes, I think art in the curriculum, um, you know, there's much to be learned. And and one of the ladies I interviewed last week, actually, Penny Horn, she has a beautiful garden and she's made the garden sort of her canvas. But she's now hosting sessions to teach the teachers who teach art to the kids, because very often they end up teaching the art, but really maths is their major. And she's addressing this by teaching the teachers art um, and how to teach the children in her garden, which I thought was fascinating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You see, when I was in school, we did art as an extra subject, mm. and we had to do it on a Saturday morning. Whereas we, we could have been doing it every day, or twice a week, or three times a week, or whatever. Mm. And there's so many uh, there's so many applications for art that, you know, there's so many different careers you can go into that lead from a, a general study of art. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and art is also good fun. Yes. I think most people remember from school, you splash about paint and you whatever you get to use a pair of scissors and all the rest of it. It's good. Yes. Well, I think it is good for the soul. And even if you aren't blessed with talents, you can get a you don't need any talent. Look at all the art stuff in the art gallery. <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> don't need talent. <laughs> well, look, I think that's a very, this is a testament to your great sense of humour, which I think is the key contributing factor to your longevity, Graham. <laughs> well, look, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been really, thank really interesting. Much. And great thank fun. You. And listen, thank you to all my listeners out there who've joined me. It's been really, really fun afternoon. And I think Graham has given us some really good pointers on how paint yourself, put yourself on the stage and have a look at your own lives. And that's what the pandemic has really done for us, isn't it? It has helped us reflect and think about our own lives.
That's it. And thank you very much, Melissa. Thank you very, very much. You're very welcome. Fun. You're very welcome. Thank you. And join me next week when I interview Mr. Masood Taimri, a consultant ophthalmologist and a photographer who's going to tell us about what inspires and brings his beautiful pictures of the environment to life in his world. Thanks. And if you want to leave some feedback, please email us to hello at livelongerthepodcast.com. Thanks for now.